from a two-bedroom apartment on the west side of Los Angeles, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Clark Kohler and Take Shelter. I think I smell good on this week's prophetic episode. Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of High on Film Sobering Talk About Movies. I'm Chris Maxwell. I'm your host. Welcome to the show today, episode 200 and Trace. Uh, a great number. Here we are pushing off a long-promised McConuary celebration yet again. Uh, but that is only because we needed to talk about Take Shelter, <laughs> the movie from 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Written and directed by Jeff Nichols, who had a huge year in 2016, uh, writing and directing two films, joining the ranks of Steven Spielberg, where he did Schindler's List and, and uh, Jurassic Park, and Francis Ford Coppola, who did Godfather 2 in The Conversation, and Mel Brooks, who did Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. All of those pairings, all in the same, or the same year for each pair. Except for the last two were also paired together in 74. But Jeff Nichols, last year, 2016, made Loving and Midnight Special. And uh, this is still my favorite of his films. <coughs> From 2011, did I say that? I think I did. And uh, my co-host is here every week. He is ruthlessly efficient, as I just learned. And uh, he's the man right to my left. And the Brad Davis that God gave us. Brad Davis. Happy 200 and Trace. Hey, thanks, Brad. No problem, Feliz Chris. 200 and Trace to you, too. Hey. Yeah. Nice to mix in some Spanglish here. Yeah, exactly, the, yeah. We're so... Before all the Mexicans ruthlessly are walled out of our country. <laughs> and we're going to pay for it. Yeah, initially, apparently, <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. We're going to pay for it, and but then they're going to reimburse us. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's good loan to take. Good loan to... It's not even a loan, Brad. It's well, a, kind of. Loan from Congress that'll get paid back. Sure. Mm-hmm. How are you today? I'm great. Now that we're talking about, you know, the coming apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, how appropriate. Yeah. Everyone take shelter. Everyone take shelter. Uh, Jeff Nichols, Michael Shannon. They love each other. Yeah. Michael Shannon's in every single one of his movies. How about that? How about that? Uh, this was your first time with Take Shelter? It was. And you saw his 2016 um, good movies. Midnight Special and Loving. Yes. yes, I saw both of those. What do you think? Where's where's Jeff Nichols on your director scale as a, as an auteur? Now that you've got a, a, a wider swath of his work. Wow, nice, nice, nice vocabulary. Um, Thanks, man. I was looking at a thesaurus before this. Yeah, good job. Uh, I I think he's certainly up and coming. I, I don't think maybe up and coming. He's made like six movies now. I I mean up and coming as far as being like kind of in that top tier category. I don't think he's there yet, mm-hmm. like, is you know, in the ranks of, like, the best directors working right now, but I think he's making his way, you know, you're, I mean, obviously, like, your Scorsese's, but he's not in his prime, more like your, um, uh, Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson category. I don't wow. think, I, I don't think he's there yet. He's not there yet. I know he's not there yet, but I think he could make his way up there. I don't think he's made his masterpiece yet. I don't think this is his masterpiece. I think that's still yet to come. I loved Midnight Special, uh, maybe up until the end, left me a little bit uh, <coughs> yearning for something a little better. Uh, Loving was very well done, uh, a little slow paced, could have been a little shorter, but a very well done film, but I think he's yet to make his masterpiece. Okay, I, I hope you're right. Um, 
I was looking forward to both his movies last year and uh, found myself maybe a little underwhelmed by, by both. Not to say that I don't think they're very good movies and worth discussing. I'm actually really interested in seeing Loving again. Yeah, and I'm, uh, having not seen this movie and having, and it might have been a little bit expectations as well because I've heard how good this movie was, I was a little underwhelmed by Take Shelter. Yeah? A little bit. Interesting. Very good, but a little underwhelmed. I, I also, uh, a lot of it, not uh, Loving, but a lot of his movies uh, have uh, parental themes. And ah. uh, both you and I being parents, maybe he doesn't, <laughs> not being parents doesn't really. You and me being in. parents? Yeah. <laughs> you not and me being parents? parents. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. A kid we have. I send that in, we adopted. I put it in adoption papers. Platonic. You doing. I, this is a platonic way. relationship where we decided to adopt a kid. Two men and a baby. Yep. Yeah. It's because we want to do a sitcom. Exactly. Well, and here's another thing I wanted to pitch to you uh, off the cuff here. Great. What if we make it three men and a baby and uh, introduce our guest? Oh, I think we have a movie on our hands. The man who chose Take Shelter for us to watch today and will help us raise this child. <laughs> Frequent high on filmer and uh, a great actor in his own right, uh, our friend Clark Kohler has returned. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh because we're just greeting each other for the first time now. Uh, yeah. Hello again. Hello still, I guess. Yeah. No, uh, welcome to the family. Thanks, man. That's amazing. Uh, what kind of child we got? Like, what are we looking at? A good one. A good kid. Well, All right. with our, you know, morals and, uh, and leadership and, and guiding, hopefully it will be a good it's child. It's nature versus so. nurture. I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think this child is going to thrive. The fact that we will not mention the gender or name of the child... Leads me to believe we're going to be perfect parents. <laughs> we, we like to keep that under wraps because that's our personal lives. Yeah, yeah. And all the fans out there, we don't need them knowing what our, our, our child's doing. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Our yeah. child will do whatever our child wants to do. That's right. They, if they want to grow up and not be a podcaster, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I won't force them into it. Them into it. Yeah. Not going to force them into gender roles. No. Yeah. Certainly yeah, yeah. not going to force whatever, them into Whatever our child wants to identify yeah. as, that's what our child is going to identify yeah. as. Yeah. The rockling world of podcasting, it's just, uh, it's all the drugs and all the the crazy nights on the road. Oh, man. <laughs> I could tell you some stories. Man. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should go back through our tour diary of our podcast. Uh, our podcast tour diary. I forgot how wild it got. Oh, yeah. man. The oral history of your podcast is going to be... Truly, something to behold. Yeah. The book is coming. Well, Perhaps uh, that will end up being a film that will be Jeff Nichols's masterpiece. There it is. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, the podcasters. Yeah, Clark. Yes. Aside from our child and uh, Jeff Nichols' future films, indeed, what and our podcast tour and our podcast tour. What do you think of Take Shelter? Uh, why this movie now? Uh, I chose this movie now because actually one of the last times I was here was during the uh, presidential election. And there was this... Was this still campaign? What was your last episode? Naked Gun? Naked Gun, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, we we watched the election together. We did. And... It was a great night. Yeah, and now there is Brad, an impending sense of dread that is very similar to what Michael Shannon's character feels in Take Shelter. And I think it's a really good film as far as... Um, even though, like, we're not all going crazy, but we've all had those thoughts where, like, man, what if I do lose my mind? Or what if I do lose my house? What if I do lose my job? And, and that kind of sense of doom is very real to a lot of us right now. So that's why I kind of wanted to revisit it, because, you know, I 
I could relate to it even more than I could when I first saw it years ago. So yeah. that's why I chose. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, a movie about uh, impending doom, a movie about mental illness, a movie about family. Um, yeah, I, I think this might be one of his most complete, if not his most complete movie. Uh, I have not seen his debut, uh, Shotgun Stories. No, I have not seen that which either. Which is the only one I'm missing. Yeah, I, I do want to get on that somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, easily, easily my favorite. Uh, you, it's your favorite of it's, his it's so far? It's my favorite that I've seen so far. Yeah, I have not seen Loving yet, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but I mean, I've seen Mud, I've seen Midnight Special, and I have seen this, and um, this one resonated with me the most. I think it has the best performances out of, out of the films Michael that I've Shannon seen. Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, Come and on. I mean, yeah, they really caught lightning in a bottle with those two. I mean, they're both such great actors in such completely different ways but it made for a very believable relationship, which I thought was really impressive. I mean, those two playing off each other with completely different acting styles and have it be this, like, you believed it as a family. Oh, absolutely. Even though she's yeah. far more attractive than he is. Yeah. <laughs> and their child does not have one strand of red hair. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I think you are adequately, adequately prepared to play a little trash star destroy. Uh, I stretch it and everything. I'm ready to go. <laughs> good, Let's good. Do it. Uh, three movies of a similar ilk. Uh, one we ask you to trash, which means it's eliminated from existence. One movie you get to star in whatever role you'd like to take for yourself. And the third movie must be destroyed, which means the only version that has ever existed has been both written and directed by your friend and mine, Mr. Michael Bay of Mikey Bad Boys B. 2 fame. Mikey Bay. Mikey Bay. Ah. So let's do three... Um, Jeff Nichols, Michael Shannon pairings uh, that deal with parental guidance. The movie we just watched, Take Shelter. Uh, Mud, the Matthew McConaughey one. So, you know, get a little taste of that McConaughey. Sure. That we're in the throes of. And, uh, yeah, uh, last year's uh, sci-fi <coughs> uh, thriller, Midnight Special. Midnight Special, Mud and Take Shelter, Trash, Star, Destroy. I think I would probably take the lead and take shelter from Michael Shannon. I wow, think it's probably the, it's probably the juiciest role out of these. And honestly, I'd like to work with Jessica Chastain. I think she's a pretty damn good actress, and I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I mean, Midnight Special is good too. But yeah, I think I'll do that. I probably give Midnight Special to Bay. You might be able to get some... Well, Bay might be able to enhance the ending, let's just say. Um, I guess. I mean, probably not, but he might be able to do... <laughs> Maybe on the special effects scale, That's but exactly not on necessarily the emotional no, no. resonance. No, come on. No, I meant for special effects. Okay. And um, then that means I am trashing mood. 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 Mm -hmm. Goodbye, Matthew McConaughey's romp with Jeff Nichols. <laughs> that sounded hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna lose a little something from the reconnaissance, but that's all right. Yeah, that is. That's a that's a pretty. That's right in there with the yeah, start of the reconnaissance. That's up yeah. there, but yeah, I mean, it's not uh, it's not at the forefront. Yeah, and we'll always have uh, Nicolas Cage's Joe. Oh yeah, the, well, then we're fine. It's the same movie. The same movie. The ants to its bunk's life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I have not seen Joe as of yet. And neither have I. Idea. Maybe not the ants. I don't know which one's ants and which one's bug's life yet, but uh, 
I should go back and watch Bugs Does Life Nicolas again. Cage have a lucky shirt, too? <laughs> <laughs> I should go back and watch Bugs Life. You should go back and watch Bugs Life. <laughs> I was going to say I should go watch Joe. But no, no I should go back Bugs and watch Life. Bugs Life. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, too, the weaker of the ants. Bugs Life. <laughs> well, that's what I'm curious to actually check. I remember liking ants a lot better. A yeah. lot more. But uh, I haven't. admittedly, I only saw Bugs Life that one time. And I love Dave Foley. Sure. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. a big Dave Foley fan. Everybody loves We've Foley all news radio. We've all seen news radio. Uh, hey, love news radio. I love news radio. That's what I just said. No, you said we've seen news radio. Yeah, and we all loved it. Ants does benefit from the misspelling of the word ants, which mm-hmm. I don't think, Z. like, you know, A Bug's Life, you know, they, they, they stuck with the regular spelling. Right, but that's and if it was A Bug's with a Z life, then you... The Woody Allison ant's name is Z. Right, right. The 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 bug the titular bug of a uh, bug's life. I don't think is named L Y F E. Bugs. That <laughs> no, could be. Could yeah. be. But let let me ask. Then why the Space Jam called Bugs Jam? Z before they came up with the title. I I think not. I I do because aren't they just like they're worker ants? So it's like A B C D. Yeah. So there's only twenty six ants. Well, no. Then they move in the numbers, and then yeah. Right. I I don't remember. I ain't buying it. I I didn't buy the the Woody Allen Sharon Stone romance in Ants, and I'm not buying this explanation either. Not 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 for eight dollars and change. Should go back and watch Ants again. All right. All right. I trash star destroy take shelter mud and midnight special. I am going to star in take shelter in the Duart role. Oh, originated oh. by Mr. Shea Wiggum. Yeah. Uh, because they still work together all the time. Like, they work together on Boardwalk Empire and, like, three other movies. And Who? The Shannon? Shannon and, and Wiggum. Wiggum. Yeah, Chief Wiggum. He, uh, Chief Wiggum. He's, and he's, he's, he's with him. He's with him all the time. Mike and Molly Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I maybe that leads into being abused by Danny McBride and getting to... Be married to Katie Mixon, who also gets abused by Danny McBride. You know, who knows? Could be a whole In new career. Separate projects, right? Yeah. Indeed, yes. Uh, Both HBO shows. Yes, yes. Let's see. I'm going to do the same thing. I think as Brad. I'm going to uh, trash mud or mude, mude, mude. Yeah, mude. Because yeah, I, I, I mean yeah, I don't, I don't. I, I'm going to trash it. I'm going to take McConaughey's lucky shirt and it's going to go right in the toilet. Because oh, no. you know, I like my sh- I like my McConaughey shirtless. Yeah, well, or suited and booted. I mean, I don't like him just hanging around with his dumb old shirt. That's true. And uh, yeah, the wise man there. Ah, uh, yes, that's that's the main reason to do all of these things. Yeah. I think that was actually Rex Reed said that as well in the Observer. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm stealing his stuff, but I agree with him if I am. Uh, and I'm going to give Rex, call Midnight Snow if you're stealing your stuff. Yeah. Given Midnight Special to. Uh, Mikey Bay, and yeah, just seeing what he does with it, and Michael Shannon and Michael Bay have worked together before. Yes, they have. Boys too. Michael Shannon. Oh, spent that's most, right. He's, he spent most of the movie in the, the trunk, trunk of, a of a car. car. That's right. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's a KKK member. Yeah. So I think I think Mikey would like to sink his teeth into Mr. Shannon again, seeing what he does in Take Shelter. He's going to act even crazier now. Yeah. He that's might for sure. Yeah, I don't know. He might kill the kid. <laughs> His son? No. Yeah. no. No. Kills the dog, not the kid. Yeah. In the Michael Bay version. Oh, no, no. He doesn't have a dog in Midnight Special, does he? Oh, no. oh, he's doing Midnight Special. Oh, he's doing Midnight Special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're yeah. being in Take yeah. Shelter. You're starring that. Yeah, I'm not starring as a glow, glowing eyes kid in Midnight yeah. Special. Yeah, maybe he will kill a kid then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, this is kind of tough for me. I... I think Mud is probably the most worthy of being trashed of these three. 
But I also would like to see Michael Bay's mud. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's and so Wild Take Shelter. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> Let me in there. I want to see your mud. Don't you flush I want to see your mud, Bay. Michael Bay. <laughs> don't you flush. Um, and while I, I, I made it fully aware that Take Shelter is my favorite of these three, I kind of want to be in Midnight Special. Maybe taking the Edgerton part. Yeah, that's a good part. That is yeah. a good part. Yeah, that is a really good part. So, I think that's what I'm going to do. And unfortunately, just trash take shelter as much as I do like it. Um, the other two options are, are too tempting for me. So, All right. Well, we'll see Brad was go. underwhelmed. He threw it in the trash. I'm sorry I brought it. I loved it. I love the movie. No, no, it's all right. No, I get it. I get it. All right. Well... Now that uh, we've talked of some impending doom and uh, fallout shelters are becoming all the rage oh. uh, once again. Mm, sure. Why let's do a trash star destroy category of <laughs> bomb shelter movies. Ooh. The classic. The, the number one that Google, that Google comes up with when you Google bomb shelter movies. Blast from the Past. Oh, great movie. Wow. All right. Uh, last year's 10 Cloverfield Lane. Okay. And the Pittsburgh classic, The Road. Ah. ah Filmed most right. of that in Pittsburgh. But apocalyptic film. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Blast from the Past, 10 Cloverfield Lane, The Road, Trash, Star, Destroy. This may sound crazy. I think I got to start in Blast from the Past. And I got to take the Brendan Fraser role. Uh, I mean, good first on of you. all... I was, after seeing Clueless, I was in love with Alicia Silverstone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, that's a win. You get to work with Christopher Walken. Yeah. Huge win. That's a great one. And who's the mother in the movie? Somebody, Somebody for sure. really big. Yeah, an actress. An actress who's good. Wow, this is terrible. <laughs> right right uh, a working actress, yeah, one a, might say. A great actress, too. Is it, <gasps> it's not Diane Weist, I don't think. Um... Yeah, fuck. Well, Sissy Spacek. Sissy, Sissy Spacek. Spacek. Yeah. Great actress. No yeast infection from this one. <laughs> huh. Good one. Sissy Spacek. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, that's... And it's a... I, I said it's a great movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's well done for what it is. So I'm pretty comfortable taking the... And I think I could probably be comparable to Brendan Fraser. Uh, yeah, I... Full confidence, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. You're a big, you're I'm, a big I'm, Fraser fan. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Fraser hater. Yeah. No, He's no, always good, though, whenever he plays a clueless person, like in Blast from the Past and Encino Man. Encino Man's his finest performance. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't love The Mummy 2? <laughs> uh, the first Mummy's or, pretty good. Or, what is it? It's Mummy Returns. I think The Mummy Returns. Mummy Returns, yeah, yes. It was, it was a or, returning situation. What is it? Bedazzled? Is that the one with the little... Uh, the Mummy Bedazzled? Yes. The Mummy Bedazzled. Bedazzled. I think Mummy. they call that one the Scorpion King. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Bedazzled was with him and uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hurley. Hurley. Yeah. He uh, was actually pretty good in Bedazzled. That's fine. I was the basketball player, but that was about it. Someone yeah. told me I have to rewatch Monkey Bone, too. You probably don't. No, someone was, like, swearing by it. Like, it is a cult classic. Rewatch it. Someone that's been on this podcast, too. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Well, wasn't me. No, it wasn't Clark Kohler. Yeah, I have no. some ideas, but I'm not going to throw them under the bus until they can come back and defend themselves. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so I'm starting a blast from the past. But, I'm sorry, the road and... Ten, Cloverfield Lane. Oh. That yeah, I guess I'll trash the road, because I feel like that you need a little subtlety there that Michael Bay tends to not provide. Somebody get the... 
adopt a highway crew out here because Brad trashed the road. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, man. Thank you. Wow. It's your orange vest. <laughs> There's some trash on the road. Look at those improv skills, man. That's a fucking point, bro. Uh, <laughs> Stutter out a joke. <laughs> the best way to do it. It shows that you haven't thought it through. Yeah. Uh, but no, good joke. I liked it. Thanks, Brad. Um, and then that means that I am giving 10 Cloverfield Lane to Mr. Bay. Mr. Bay. Not opposed to it. Yeah. Clark. Makes sense. Okay. What are you going to do with these bomb shelter movies? Ah, uh, okay. All right. Well, full disclosure, I have okay. not seen Blast from the Past. What? I have not seen Blast from the Past. I, I was a card-carrying Fraser hater myself. Um, I, I, f- <laughs> I find him... To be a bit of an irritant, so uh, yeah. I, I he's an I, eye irritant. Yeah, I, I definitely avoided that film like a plague. So I guess I'm going to give that to Michael Bay. Why not? Oh, or sure. no, no, I'm just going to trash it. Yeah, okay. that's usually what happens. That's, yeah. that's silly. Uh, I'll star in the road in the Vigo Mortensen role. Why Vigo. not? Cool. Yeah, sorry, Vigo. It's Clark time. That's all right. And, We're seeing uh, enough of. Viggo Mortensen's dirty face on the Yeah, film. I think so. I think so. It's like and, 10 hours of it in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and his, his silly, weird accent and voice. I mean, I was hoping he'd do his, his Puerto Rican character from Carlito's way, because... Oh, yeah. I, I'm in a fucking wheelchair, Carlito! <laughs> and anytime he's not doing that... Sorry, Vigo. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to when you were Laleen. <laughs> and then... I guess that means I'm sending, yeah, I'm going to go give 10 Cloverfield Lane to Mikey Bay. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. Michael Bay gets the... Uh, he gets the bomb shelter movie. The, the insular, very uh, character-driven... Yeah. Um, Sister sequel well to, paced, uh, to... Yeah, to Cloverfield. To, yeah. Hmm. I, I'm torn. I, I like what Brad's saying with uh, taking the Frasier role in Blast from the Past. You get to work with Silverstone and... Uh, SpaceX. And SpaceX and Walken. But if I take the John Gallier Jr. role in Ten Cloverfield Lane, get to work with John Goodman and um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Winstead. Ah, yes. So I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just take Ten Cloverfield Lane. I really enjoyed that movie. That'd be a fun... I think I can play that role pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, That is a good movie. I like like that. that. I did like that movie a lot. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm going to... Trash the road, I think, and give blast from the past. Michael Bay, Michael Bay hit. Mm. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Christopher Walken in a Michael Bay film in a lighthearted comedy about a sheltered man all his life. I mean, and it came out culture the same shock time as Michael Bay's finest comedic work, which was the Got Milk commercial. Michael so, Bay did a Got Milk commercial. Yeah, the Aaron Burr one. That's that's, that's he him? directed that. Yeah. That is a fine Got Milk yeah. commercial. Oh, it's a really good commercial. That yeah. is a good commercial. And I've been oh. thinking about it a lot recently because of Hamilton uh, in yeah, the zeitgeist. Of and mm-hmm. seriously, I have. I'm like, remember that milk commercial? Like, Amber. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, let me get some milk. <laughs> God, I have... I gotta rethink this whole thing now. I didn't know Michael Bay did that commercial. We, yeah. gotta, get, we gotta go through and watch all Michael Bay's commercials. Yeah. God, Got Milk, indeed. I know, all right. I'm going to take some time away from the microphone here. We're going to take a break. (laughs) You're affected. And we're going to come back with some more Take Shelter right (laughs) after this. And we're back. High on film talking Jeff Nichols' Take Shelter with Clark Kohler today. 
And uh, here we go, diving into it, fully immersing into spoiler territory in case you haven't seen this film. Uh, the ending certainly gives them something to talk about. And we're going to get into it quite possibly in this segment, which we call The Summary Game. The first game of the podcast that's worth a damn, that is zero to two points for each player involved. That is each one of us, gentlemen, around the podcast table today. We'll each take a turn at summarizing Take Shelter in a thousandth of the time that it actually takes to view. A 121-minute movie gives us 12.1 seconds for zero to two points. That those weighted, weighted points. So, of course... During the month of Makaniwari, the celebration of Makaniwari, we would not do without our coin toss, coin toss, three-sided Matthew McConaughey coin in commemoration of his role in The Lincoln Lawyer, inspired by the American penny, and made with love. Amen. <laughs> Brad, you going first, second, and third? Uh, uh, I'll I'll go first. All right, coming first. Yeah. Twelve point one seconds to summarize. Take shelter to the best of your ability. Deep breath. Okay. In three, two, one. A man ha starts having dreams that a horrible storm is coming, so he takes his family's money and builds, uh, increases his uh, shelter in his backyard. His wife gets really upset with him. It looks like the storm may have came and went, but then another one comes, and the movie ends. Time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes, and another one comes, and the movie ends. <laughs> yep. Good job, Brad. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Oh. It was ruthlessly efficient. Okay. That was ruthlessly efficient. That's, that's going in my Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Davis, ruthlessly efficient. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. If it's in your Twitter bio, it's true. Yeah, that's that's what they say. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher? Yes, what? Uh, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, cool. 12.1 uh, seconds, I believe. You are correct in believing how me. long you have to summarize Shelter Taker. Are you prepared? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <clears throat> In three, two, one. A paranoid schizophrenic man uh, has apocalyptic dreams uh, indicating the plague, so he builds a uh, bomb shelter in his backyard, using up all his family's money, spiraling them into debt, loses his job, and then the storm maybe actually comes to be real. Time. Yeah. Pretty good. Thanks. All right. That's pretty, pretty good, Christopher. Pretty, pretty good. Clark Kohler. All right, here we go. You ready to give this the old college try? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Only if you're ready. Yep. Ready. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. A man has impending dread of a storm. Is the storm the madness in his mind, or is it really coming? Uh, and a family learns what it means to live with each other by the end of the film. Time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Really hit at the, uh. Thematics. Yes, I, I, yes, I very much appreciate. Pretty important in this movie, yeah. Pretty important indeed. Um, yeah, I think we got pretty much everything there. Squanders his family savings away and sacrifices yep. his own yep. job and friendship, 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 everything. Yeah. To build this shelter. To build this shelter for his fam. To take shelter. To take shelter. There it is. There it is! Hey! It's the Alright guys, well let's get going into the second game, First Impressions. In this game we're going to give the person sitting to our right a line from the film Take Shelter. We would like to hear them impersonate to the best of their ability. 
Um, for zero to three points. So a little more uh, cash on the table here. Ooh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we Empty go. up. Brad, you went first, so I'll go first this time and give Clark a line that I'd like to hear impersonate. And uh, Clark, you, you're a famous impressionist on this show. And famous. A famous wow. impressionist right. on this show. <laughs> You've done more and more accurate impressions than I think anyone uh, else. You've also maybe been provided more opportunities, but that's neither here nor there. I have. I've been. I've. I've been on the show quite a bit. You, yes. you have. Um, all right. Well, this is a lot to live up to. I, I would be remiss if I didn't try to uh, to to coax a Michael Shannon impression out of you. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's only one of. Five people with lines in this movie, so I yes. guess <laughs> I think, or maybe no, no. There's more than that. There's more than that. <laughs> yeah. Not much, though. Not much. Yeah. But uh, I, I want to hear you uh, after his big blow up after the Lions Club dinner. Mm -hmm. He gives some uh, a little prophetic line of ah, oh, yes. "Sleep well in your beds tonight." <laughs> we'll give it a listen, and then uh, I can't wait. Sleep well in your beds, because if this thing comes true. There ain't gonna be any more. All right. The new General Zod. Indeed. Go ahead. Sleep well in your beds. Because if this thing comes true, there ain't gonna be any more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you lived up to it. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, that was good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Always so damn good. <laughs> Never realized how uh, close his voice would be to, um, oh, what's that man's name? Oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, wow, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I can't think of it. The water skier? No, the mustachioed man. Sam Elliott. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. The mustachioed man himself. The mustachioed yeah, the man. The mustachioed man. Original cures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guts. Glory. <laughs> Ram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Clark, do you have a line you'd like to give Brad? I, I do. I do. As has become a little tradition with me, I like to give uh, Brad brunette actresses to uh, impersonate. Uh, today we're going to use Miss the aforementioned Katie Mixon. Mm. Uh, she's discussing uh, how she sees in her child, how her child is going to become an alcoholic later in life, just like her husband, which is... A strange thing to be laughing about and joking about, but uh, yeah, she talks about how she saw the future last night with the uh, with the kid shuffling around in a bar later on. And, oh my God! It was like I was being in a museum, and I saw the progress from apes to men. I saw it. I saw the future. <laughs> Doer, that was him. That was gonna be him in twenty years. <laughs> Okay, Brad, tell us about those rural lives with that charming southern accent of yours. <laughs> oh my god, it was like being in a museum and I saw the progress from apes to men. I saw it. I saw the future. Doer, that was him. That was going to be him in 20 years. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. yeah. That's quite, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I'll grind you a decent amount of points, Brad. Thank you. Yeah. A pleasure. Do you have a line for me? I do, Christopher. Uh, actually, it's going to be from the uh, same scene of the line that you gave to Clark. 
but it's going to be earlier in the scene. Oh, the, the Lions Club dinner. The Lions Club dinner, <laughs> when uh, Mikey Shannon is particularly out of control, okay. and he's warning that the storm is coming. Oh, storm's coming. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, yeah. that's Batman Begins. <laughs> mm. Well, listen up! Okay, nothing more the podcaster listen, podcaster listeners love than hearing someone screaming to a microphone. <laughs> yeah, get ready, people. All right, hold on. Let me get away from the microphone a little bit. Yeah, there oh, you go. Oh, boy. Wow. All right. Getting on his feet. Oh, shaking it out. Shaking it out. Mm, well, listen up. There is a storm coming like nothing you have ever seen. And not a one of you is prepared for it. Bravo. Bravo. Fantastic. Bravo. Well oh. done. Thanks. That was fantastic. I get a little spit on my chin from that. Leads me chin to believe spit. that if you had the full volume. Yeah, I didn't want to alert oh, the neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Good call. <laughs> Good call. All right, guys. That's first impressions for another week. We did it. Boom. All right. Uh, you can set the scorecards aside now uh, and put on your hard hats. Because thank you, Clark. Because we are going to. Build the scaffolding for a little scene we like to call scene work. Of course, this is an optimistic podcast, and we like to start things off optimistically. Do-do-do-do! Best scene. What's the best scene in Take Shelter? Is it the one I was just screaming about? Uh, yeah, that's up there. I, I For some reason... It, Come on, Michael Shannon thundering away and then breaking down in front of the whole town like that? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it's an awesome scene. And there's another scene that I like, th that I put up there too, but the scene that really stuck with me for some reason, and it's a subtle scene, but it's the scene where Michael Shannon finally tells Jessica Chastain what's going on when they're, after he has a seizure, and they're just sitting at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. It's a... I, I don't know why. There's... there's he. I, I think it's... A little cathartic because he has a scene earlier where she's like what's going on and he's like nothing he doesn't tell her and i just love like she's there you know tear tear soaked like her face is like covered in tears still too from crying like watching her husband have his seizure and she's so upset and exhausted and he sits down and finally just has this honest moment <coughs> with her and i think i like that finally he had her on his side like i wanted them to kind of be a t like he's obviously like losing it or you know having you know something very m mental health wise very big going on and i think it was just very nice to get her on board with that but for some reason that's the scene that stuck with me I in this movie well yeah it's great i mean it's, it's it is a nice intense quiet moment with two fantastic actors and, and like you said like in so many movies including you know a good portion of this one so many problems can be solved by one character just telling another yes. character yeah. something. Yeah, it always yeah. drives me crazy when they don't. And this one, I mean, 
Curtis has his excuse. He is, you know, clearly scared that he's turning into his mother. Right. You, and going to be a paranoid schizophrenic and going to get locked away from his family. And I love... And doesn't want to admit that that's happening to Yes, him. and I love that line, too, because he says, you know what I come from. Yeah. And I promise I'd never leave, but... He's saying, I promise I'd never leave, but almost like, do I need to leave? Yeah. and But it does come as a relief as a viewer to see that, to be like, okay, good, we addressed this issue. He finally just said it. So now she at least has some understanding. And it, the trick of it is it doesn't really make things any better or easier after he reveals that, which is, I mean, keeps the stakes high and very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Not something you can easily do when you've showed your hand and then now you have to have these characters still dealing with the, the issues um, and not, you know, despite the understanding, I should say. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I um, I think this movie does a better job than most of actually justifying him being so tight-lipped about something like this. Like we said before, it happens in movies all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, just just tell them, just yeah. tell them. But in this, in this particular instance, I feel like he's... He's struggling so much just to figure, like, he's trying to figure out if he's crazy. He's, he's, he's self-aware enough to realize that he's going off the deep end, but he can't stop himself from going off the deep end. And I think that is, anything, anything like that, anything that's in your mind that you know you're doing something wrong, but you can't stop doing something wrong, or something that you know is unhealthy, it's always hard to invite someone else into that mm-hmm. because there's a part of you that doesn't want to stop doing it at all like his need to build that shelter is so great he'd rather just you know keep it all inside and try and figure out like what's going on in his head because as soon as she gets involved then he's got to go to see a psychiatrist he's mm-hmm. got to get on medication he's got to really deal with it um but I, I think I think the uh, Lions Club scene has got to be the best scene. I think without that scene, this movie loses a lot. Um, because I think what's interesting about it is because it's the first one that has a lot of witnesses. Mm-hmm. And we've all been in public places where you see someone just who's crazy, who's losing their mind, who's ranting about something. But what you don't see is everything else behind that. And I think that's what's kind of beautiful about this movie. But you're right. Like, without the moments, like, when he's finally telling her or without the moments where he's just, like, dealing with it on his own, you know, like, we've all been there to see someone ranting, Mm -hmm. but we don't see them trying as hard as they can not to. So I think, you know, it's just to have that release for him. And then the way that she reacts... Um, after that, I think she just does such a wonderful job. Like she's, uh, as a physical actress, like just being able to touch him tenderly and, you know, like have that feel like that's something that someone would do because in almost any other movie that you can think of, she's out the door with a daughter. Right. And then he's, and he ends up on a park bench somewhere, you know, eating his own face in the scene, you know, but they, she's, you know, like the family sticks by him. Well, he has, yeah. he has the realization moment, too, of, like, when he walks up afterwards, like, still, like, kind of in, f- with this rage inside him, and he sees right. his daughter mm-hmm. cowering behind his wife. 
Right. Like, afraid yeah. of him. Yeah. And I think that causes him to kind of have this breakdown moment. And then, you're right. Because yeah, it's the first time his daughter really sees this. what's going through. What's right. Going on. And, I, and I think you're right, too. I think <clears throat> what they do, what Chastain does and what the decision is to have the wife kind of slow, almost like uh, petting like a wild animal. Like, mm-hmm. slowly comes in, kind of, like, slowly touches him, realizes he's not a danger, and then brings him in and, like, gives him a hug. And this is mm-hmm. after he's had a dream about her, and he twitches at her touch. Right. Um, yeah. Which, actually, and also is the perfect collision of, um, I mean, the heart of this film, is this, you know, it's he's confronting these people who say, who think he's crazy, and he knows that they think he's crazy, mm-hmm. but he actually believes this storm is coming. As well. He knows he's going crazy, but he knows this storm is coming. And, I mean, so that even feeds in, like, the touch stuff about even he doesn't even know to, can't trust himself because he wants to believe his wife is on his side, even though he clearly doesn't trust his dog that he had his whole life. He gave that away. Right. But he sticks by the (coughs) Chastain, Samantha, and his daughter, although he's always protecting his daughter in the dreams. Um... So yeah, I mean it is. It's it's an, the Lions Club dinner is the integral scene here, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, what do you think about that? Do you think he is crazy? Do you think that the storm is real at the end? Do you think it's purposefully a metaphor, or in his head, or another dream, or it's all real? He is crazy, and the storm is real. Um, bingo. I think that's what it is. I think he is crazy, but I mean he's obviously had these like prophetic dreams. I mean, I think when, in the end, when the storm's coming, you see his daughter react to it, you see Chastain react to it, and then you get the, like, you know, motor, motor oil, oil rain the first sign the that he gets yeah. in the movie, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I, I, I think it's here. I think that's what you're supposed to believe. Okay. I mean, it might be a metaphor for things well, as well, but still, I think it's, you're supposed to think this, he was right, this storm has come. Does that mean he's not crazy then, though? Uh, I mean, you're a little crazy if you're having prophetic dreams. I mean, why is that crazy then if it's real? Because well, if a, it's manifesting itself in a physical way, like his arm hurt all day. Yeah, he's having like, seizures, yeah. and I, I mean, well, how are dreams well, supposed to come to prophets, guys? Well, I mean, just, <laughs> I guess I'm just saying. I mean, it, it depends on what your definition of crazy is. I mean, I don't think he's maybe crazy in the sense of like he's wrong and he's out of his mind. But I mean, it's a crazy thing. To be dreaming the future. I until I, it's proven um, real. <laughs> but still, I, I mean, don't. I don't think the storm is real. Okay. Personally, I think it's what it is. In my opinion, I think at, at the heart of this, it's a love story, mm-hmm. and it, it's a love story between you know a family. And she has a line right before he um, when they're in the bomb shelter, and um, she says. This is what it means to stay with us mm-hmm. in order to get him to open up the, the, the bomb shelter mm-hmm. and finally, you know, go out into the world. And I think at the end, when the daughter and the wife, you know, like when Samantha and Hannah both see the storm, mm-hmm. that's what it means to stay with him, in a mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, because I like if that. they if they don't if they don't at least acknowledge that this is happening and the storm could be a metaphor for his growing paranoia and mm. insanity, um, because the storm itself is literally making him lose just about everything he sees in the dreams. Like um, 
he's often holding Hannah's ear when he's protecting her. And then they lose the insurance. You know, he, mm-hmm. he sees Duart in the dream. He sees the dog in a dream. He loses the dog. He loses his best friend. Um, the storm, I think, is the message. Doesn't lose. Himself. Purposefully separates himself. True, yes. But at Not the, the same insurance, time, but the, the, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the friend, um, yeah, yeah, he does intentionally separate himself from those things. But it's also, those are the things, those are the. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Uh, no, I lost no. it. I lost it for a second. No, no I, I think, like it. I, I think you're right. I mean, it does. It works beautifully as a metaphor. I mean, that's the whole crux mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, what I actually I'm really interested in, if Brad, if the storm is completely real, because I do think there's a chance that he could still wake up in Myrtle Beach and be like, oh nope, it's still a sunny, beautiful day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if the storm is real, does that mean that they're gonna die now because they're at Myrtle Beach, is so far away from this? Fallout shelter? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It would be that his fi- the, finally giving in to yeah, his family, family is yeah. what kills them, basically. Like, takes them away from where the shelter is. I mean, I feel like... I, I feel like if that's the... Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. My guess is that they're seeing it, and they know it, so maybe they might have enough time to get there before shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they're at least... At, they're making a move of some type. He has the daughter. He's up on the porch now with her, and I can't even remember exactly what he's his There's, last line. But he, says uh, he just says Samantha. Anthem. He just says her name, yeah. and then she says okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Clark. Your point is very well taken. I mean, that could absolutely be true. Like you know, the the storm is him, and you know, are you 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 have to accept me. Yeah, the storms is for what and, it is. And, yeah, yeah, spiraling into yes, especially since in the scene before he was with the psychiatrist, and he was saying they were saying he was going to have to be hospitalized. Right. Yeah. And so here it is. The storms here. Storms here. Yeah. Do Do you want to stay, or or you know, yeah. like, or do you want to see this? Do you want to see this for what it fully is, and realize that you know, like, I think one thing that happens with any type of illness whether it's mental illness physical illness addiction anything like that everybody in a family has to be on board and acknowledge the full power of whatever it is and if they you know if they can't then they can't be around that person and that could be another reason of why like you know he sent the dog away because yeah. he didn't trust himself around the dog. He <clears throat> sent his friend away because he, you know, the, the friend was just not there in the same way. Well, and also to probably protect his friend from himself, potentially. True, Like, true. That, yeah. you know, not to bring him yeah, in. Yeah, he's caused enough his... harm to him already. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, personally, I, I like to take the movie at, at face value and think that the storm is real at the end. Yes. Um, ultimately, kind of sealing them together as a family, but probably also... Killing them, but also the entire world. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, tough break. Um, yeah, and then like then make that's the movie... what you like. Then all right, I do. Well, no, no. I mean, I'm <laughs> looking at the movie through like you know uh, the you know kind of psychological toll, like uh, being someone like Noah or something would ha- would take on you and on your right, family. Right. And that movie kind of framing it in that, I I can kind of enjoy it. I really hmm. like that kind of take. Actually, you know that that is that you know that that's definitely a. <laughs> A very interesting take yeah. on it, and it does make me wonder, though. Then what what the uh, what role does the mother play in this? 
Because she even says she did it's, not It's have. the doubt of faith, right? Because now you have physical evidence that you could be insane. But oh, okay. the way I'm yeah, playing yeah, it, he's yeah. also not insane. He is a true a prophet. prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, too, that we're actually, in a weird way, rooting for the storm to come. Because then it proves he's correct. Yeah, but you're well, also that's not rooting, crazy, yeah. But you're also rooting for, like, this the horrible storm to kill all these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, just, it's a funny... It's full-on... Plague-ridden apocalypse. Yeah, it, Dead yeah. birds, motor oil from the skies. Yeah. And, and he deals amazing. with it in a very selfish way, if you think about it. Like, yeah, he's right, but he's also kind of a dick for not saying anything until he gets punched in the face. Yeah, it's true. Like, hey, you guys, yeah, you're not prepared for it. Ah! Well, again, he's still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't believe him. I mean, the only people that he's might still believe not, him I'm is sure his of family. Himself. I yeah, mean, like, right. even his, his own wife barely believes him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't even know. He again, he doesn't know if he can trust himself yet. True, right. But he's just kind of following his instincts. Well, if there's a best scene, there must be a worst scene. Ba -ba -da. Worst scene. Um, for me, the family did not care that he just gave away the dog. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially because the daughter is. It, uh, they said the daughter loves the dog. Yeah, so, yeah, and and I mean the daughter actually doesn't really react to much. Until the Lions Club scene. Mm -hmm. And you'd think that would be something that the family would really have to deal with. You know, like, I can imagine, like, if my dad just gave my dog away when I was a kid. And just like, yeah, he's, uh, he's with his brother now. I'd, I'd, I'd be devastated. And I feel like that was, I mean, out of everything that he's done, I felt they focused so much on the financial aspect of it. Um, and I think that could have been something that could have been dealt with on a more emotional level. Um, mm. you know, I felt like, I mean, like, I don't know, like a family dog is pretty, pretty important. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that there wasn't originally in the script or something and it just got cut for time? Or... Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be that, you know, like maybe it was just really difficult to, yeah. you know, have, because, you know, since she's, since she's deaf, having her express her displeasure with that might've been hard to film. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But yeah, for me, I, that that was that was one big hole for me. I thought, Brad, anything not work for you? Uh, yeah, honestly, I was kind of having a hard time coming up with the worst scene. I mean, I was kind of thinking like a little bit of the special effects at the end with the sky. Maybe didn't even bother me that much because it's almost like it almost feels dreamlike anyway. So it kind of looks. But honestly, that's a good point, Clark. I, I think that's probably a better point. Like, yeah, they. I kind of thought that at the time, too. Like, yeah, you just gave the dog away and no one's going to react to this, especially we've talked about the dog. Samantha's wife has, like, brought it, you know, mm -hmm. was so perturbed by the fact that he even just put the dog in the yard. <coughs> yeah. The fact that he gave the dog away should have probably, and I, I, you know, garnered more of a reaction. I think it's a good point as well. We focus so much on the financials of this family, which is obviously important, especially given with the, the daughter's hearing and all that. Right, right. But, you know, we almost kind of sidestepped, you know, they sidestepped a very um, a good emotional thing that could have been another element to Chastain, uh, Samantha's uh, uh, frustration. And even the daughter start to see maybe her, it, it would be more interesting to maybe see her have a moment of starting to doubt her father. Mm -hmm. And that's tough too when, you know, she's not speaking. But even like just a hint of that, and then maybe later on, it's almost more a little more of an arc than when she's cowering behind her mother in the uh, Lions Club scene. Now you've yeah. kind of seen this build a little more. 
Uh, maybe it works better if you actually just see it for the first time in the Lions Club scene, but either way. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're probably right. That's something they don't address, and that's a little odd. Uh, I'm going to go back to what you said about the, the final, you know, uh, landscape weather shot. The special effects there just don't work for me as much as they do every other time in this movie. But that last one with the back of Chastain's head looking out towards the ocean with multiple tornadoes touching down just looks green screened and not as clear. And I think you could have done away with that shot altogether and left the ending even more ambiguous by just showing the shot of Chastain looking out at the ocean and you can see the reflections of the tornadoes touching down in the ocean. And the motor in oil. the glass. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. the motor oil. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, instead of, if, you know, you didn't have the time or you didn't have the money for that last shot, then, I mean, there's ways to shoot around that and, and I think would have even been a more effective ending. Well, it's funny, too, because we've seen... We've seen this in dr the dreams earlier on. We've seen what this is like. This no, we storm. haven't seen tornadoes like this. No, we haven't seen tornadoes, but we've well, kind of seen we what this... You see one... You see, you see just one? a single okay. funnel cloud, yeah. You see what you see what the storm is kind of going to look like, or at least mm -hmm. an idea, and it just felt like, I mean, it was a little bit of a letdown. Like I, I personally, even aside from the special effects thing, I was like, oh, okay. I figured it'd be a lot more like the sky is falling. I mean, it right. is, but just more. It, it doesn't look as uh, harrowing as it maybe should. Like, it wasn't as scary as yeah. I was, like, imagine. I mean, I understand. Tornadoes touching down everywhere is a nightmare. But still, it just didn't have the effect that it... Well, I felt like I, there I, were other things that, that were... That surrounded the storm that were a lot more viscerally effective than the storm itself ever was in the movie. Like, you were never... There was... I can't think of one storm shot where I was like, whoa. But, like, when the birds oh, fly by... Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Start dying. Yeah. yeah and all those are so... Floating furniture. Vibrant with yeah. color. And this one is a very bleak mm -hmm. landscape of, like, gray ocean, gray sky. Yeah. And, and there's, like, you know, there's also, like, yeah. the dog and the right, strangers. Right, right. Like, oh, having, yeah, breaking into the car. Yeah. Whew, all right, well, it's not motor oil. It's milking it. Got milking it? All right, guys, this is the final game of the podcast. We're each going to draw a card from the big box of Hollywood ideas of prequels, sequels, reboots, and genres. On said card, we'll give us each a new way, a new idea to kind of form the events, the characters, the themes of Take Shelter, and then put it back out there with a brand new film. Billion more dollars for the studio system. A title and a quick summary of our films from each one of us for zero to five points. And I believe it is Mr. Kohler's turn to go All right, first. Here we go. I got the prequel. The prequel Ooh, to take shelter. shelter. Ooh, interesting. Very interesting. Brad? A fairy tale movie. Okay. Oh, perfect. Interesting. <laughs> Once upon a time. <coughs> Oh, and I got a, a disaster film. Hmm. So, a little pre-disaster. Maybe right. this is uh, the sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll it's see what I can do with this. Storm is coming. Storm's coming. All right. Milk and it's coming right after this. And we're back right in the middle of milking it, talking about... Take Shelter. Uh, the Jeff Nichols film from 2011. All right, Clark, you, I yes. believe, are telling us about 
the prequel. prequel. Yes, the prequel. Yes, indeed. So, an extreme athlete by the name of Xander Cage has returned. <laughs> Well, sorry, wait, no, that's something else, that's something else, sorry, sorry, all right, uh, <laughs> all right, so, so in reality, what we're going to do, uh, we're going to open in 1986, um, a woman is in the car with her young son, uh, when a storm begins brewing, pretty serious storm, um, the, the mother starts looking around, um, seems panicked, everyone that walks by, she is leery of. She eventually leaves the car, tells the son to stay put. Uh, the storm grows, alarms go off, the son stays put, and eventually, once the storm passes a little bit, someone finds him in the car alone, and his mother is nowhere to be found. So, a search goes on for the mother, they find her a week later, and she's been eating trash in Kentucky, mm. as uh, much like... Curtis's mother was, so yeah, the, the boy is Curtis, of course. Mm. Um, and so it's act exactly like Curtis's mother was. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So yeah, Curtis's mother. Yeah. I probably I don't know why I'm uh, <laughs> being so cagey about this. So yeah, Curtis's mother, much like in the first movie. <laughs> much like as described. This is the prequel. Left in the car. Yes. Um, you might not know this. No. <laughs> so then we uh, we delve a little bit more into uh, Curtis's life, who's become very withdrawn. Uh, due to this traumatic incident that took place, uh, and he has a hard time uh, trusting his family because his father already wasn't around much, and now his mother, who was the one who he had the most connection with, is gone. She is now in a mental health facility. So he starts to be kind of easy. He becomes very shy. Um, he can't really succeed at his other activities. Like maybe he's no good at sports anymore. He's, his studies are slipping. His bro his brother, who's basically raising him at this point, is trying to snap him out of it, and is reminding him what it feels like to get his ass kicked, uh, because that was how Kyle dealt with things. The brother. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he grows up, and he um, on his 18th birthday, he decides to leave home. And he goes to a flea market because he wants to buy a, a blanket for his mother because he wants to see his mother. He hasn't seen his mother since this happened. Um, so he goes up to a stand and meets a nice young woman by the name of Samantha. And she asks him, all right, well, what, what are the, why, why do you want these blankets? What, 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 is the, what is this for? And he decides to open up for the first time about what happened to him that day back in 1986. Tells her everything about his mother, about his childhood, about his upbringing, everything. And uh, she notices a vulnerability in him that is very attractive to her. So then she goes with him to see the mother. They meet the mother, they give her the blanket. And um, then they fall in love. And we flash forward to the hospital where Samantha is now giving birth to their daughter, Hannah. And he sees his daughter for the first time, is overwhelmed with emotion. And, but you see just a little glint of fear come over his face. And in the window of the hospital, you see the storm start to brew again. Oh, damn. Yeah. And uh, the title is A Sheltered Life. 
Ah. I like that. Nice. Nice work, Clark. Yeah, Thanks, good stuff. Thanks. Very good. A sheltered life. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Brad, uh, can your fairy tale movie uh, top that for us? No, it can't, Chris. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, why don't you try anyway? Uh, all right. Um, so we have uh, Curtis and uh, Samantha in this film are a king queen. And they have had their first child. They just had their first child. And, like, at the, you know, they're presenting it to their kingdom as, like, you know, the the future, mm -hmm. your future leader. And uh, so, uh, a former friend who is now an enemy uh, is able to swoop into this, you know, setting and cast a spell on their daughter. And she will never be able to speak or hear. Um, yeah. Asshole, right? Messed up. Fucked up. Great fairy tale opening, though. Lord, Thank you. Thank you. Lord Dewitt. <laughs> Lord Dewitt himself. <laughs> oh, Lord. Lord of the Dewitts. Um, <laughs> so, <Keep> going, <laughs> uh, so sorry. So, uh, we now flash forward to the child, uh, now older, like around age, probably whatever she actually is in this movie, six, maybe six, seven years old, something like that. Sure. Um, maybe a little younger. And, um, you know, she's she's a happy child. She has a very nice relationship with her father, but she's noticed that her father has um, not been sleeping. She's, like, woken up early, you know, like, wakes up one night to, you know, get a drink of water or something, her father's up, and sees that he's just, he hasn't been sleeping, and finally she uh, confronts, I mean, obviously through sign language, confronts him, and he explains to her that he's been having these terrible nightmares of something bad happening to her. That's, he keeps seeing this impending thing where she's going to be in, in, in all these different scenarios where she is in grave danger and it's keeping him up at night. And he starts explaining and he starts telling her all these different scenarios and explaining his dreams out loud to her, which is uh, cathartic for him. And she's just trying to be there for her father, who's obviously ailing. Um, and we now flash forward uh, probably another five to ten years um, into the future, and now her father has passed away. Um, and her mother... Uh, her, her mother's still there, and her mother tells her stories, but she always keeps her... The, these visuals of what her father had told her. And uh, she learns that there, the Lord Duart, who had uh, cast the spell on her, is still out there, and he is able to reverse the spell. So... She learns that there's a, 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 the place she has to travel to is far away. She says goodbye to her mother and starts traveling on this long journey. And on the journey, she starts running into these obstacles that her father saw coming for her. But because her father explained all these things to her, now she kind of knows from those stories how to get over these obstacles along the way. Oh. Um, and, and eventually get to Lord Deward and, you know threaten him, get her hearing and voice back, and, um, actually, sorry, I want to make a quick change on that. She gets to him and learns that she actually, he actually can't do that for her, so she has to be, she's still going to be stuck this way. He's now, like, a miserable person living by himself, so that's his own punishment, and she, but she has become such a wonderful person even in spite of not being able to talk or hear and whatnot, but she still 
is able to live her life in a normal way, happy as herself, hmm. without having those luxuries. Wow. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And your title? Uh, the Warning Sign. Okay. It's also oh, sign, sign language. language. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. I like that. Oh man, that, that was a yeah, yeah. good title for. Uh, I came that yeah. was the la I came up with it right right at the end. I I was complaining mm -hmm. about not having a good title, but I did come up with it at the end. I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. At the buzzer, at Brad the buzzer, Davis. Yeah. Buzzer yeah. Peter yeah. Davis. Yeah, I'll tell you, yeah. her, her dodging the obstacles because of what her dad taught. I like and the that fact a lot. that she doesn't, she is not cured of this you mm -hmm. know curse of you know uh, handicaps. Yeah, I, I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. Thanks. All right, I got uh, the expanded upon disaster film, if you're ready. Uh, so, essentially, Take Shelter as it is is condensed only into, like, the first act of this movie. So you get him having the visions. Uh, you get a lot of the sacrifices of things of family and money are, are left out as he builds the bomb <coughs> pretty quickly in his backyard. But you can tell it's causing a little bit of strife on his wife, mostly about, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is crazy. Um, and he's like, no, no, you got to trust me. Um, you know, it's less about him being mentally unstable and more about him just doing this. And like people are questioning why he then, uh, he has the blow up at the lion's club dinner. Um, they go to the expensive shrink who says, go to Myrtle beach. Anyway, uh, they get to Myrtle beach. The storm is real. Here it comes. End of act one. Ooh. So, um, now they have to race back across the country from Myrtle Beach back to, I believe, what, Ohio is where they are? Ohio, yeah. Um, to get back home where Curtis is, swears that if they can make it back here, they will be safe. They will weather the storm. Um, and they have to essentially fight through everything Curtis has seen in his visions. So scary bird flocks coming at you, uh, panicked uh, crowds of people um, losing their minds in, in the apocalyptic storm, um, like uh, violent animal attacks. Red. From, like, nowhere. Yeah. Uh, of course, being run down by, like, tornadoes, like, coming right out there as they're trying to drive as quickly away uh, as fast as they can. They finally reach their home, and their shelter is actually now completely populated with people from the town oh. who knew that he was building this. Mm -hmm. And there's no more room for them. So they... There's a little bit more room, so he Curtis sends his wife and daughter into the shelter, and he's going to stay in their house to weather this storm. Um, his wife and his daughter ultimately decide that they won't do that. They go into the house with him. The storm comes through over the night. They wake up. They wake up, and they're fine. And it turns out the whole Curtis's property, although maybe a little worse for wear, was kind of protected through this storm because of Curtis's actions and... Self-sacrifice. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he's, you know, even more than ever bonded together with his family. And it's called Three Days from Yesterday. Which is, yes, that was the day he had his flip out at the Lions Club den dinner. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. also a little play on Day After Tomorrow. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Very nice. Yeah, nice work, Max. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, as you finish scoring, please pass your scorecards to the front of the class for final edition. And as you do that, we will move into the pessimistic end of our show, Podcast Regrets. Uh, anything you regret saying or not saying uh, for the duration of this show? I mean, there's two moments I, I would be remiss to, to leave out. Um, I love the shot of the backhoe against the skyline when he first when he's digging the hole for the shelter and... 
Samantha comes home and sees them. And he just kind of pops his head out of the hole. Yeah. And I just love that shot. It's so beautiful and well-constructed. And you can tell from the look on his face and the look on her face in that little scene that it's something, it's, it's gone too far. And uh, I love that. And I love the moment where they're in the shelter for the fake-out storm. And Curtis is, like, trying to get his daughter to... Tell him she feels the thunder of the storm that's not oh, actually yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, you feel, like, signing to her, like, you feel the thunder? And she's <laughs> please, like, no. Please, yeah. And I just love that moment so much that I, I just had to mention mm -hmm. it, so. Yeah, actually, I was gonna, I'll build on that, because the scene I was gonna bring up was that whole scene, actually, of in the shelter, when she's like, we have, his, Samantha's saying, like, we have to go out now. And he's sitting there, because there's part of you that thinks, like, he might say we can never leave. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. her just saying, well, then we're leaving without you. And her telling him, like, no, you have to be the one to do this. And then him, like, it's raining. No, it's not raining. And then him going to his daughter, you feel the thunder? No, don't feel the thunder. And finally she says, you have to do this. And him finally giving in and unlocking it. And you have this, like, really dark. And then I, I love the shot of just opening the door and seeing, like, the bright blue sky. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's yeah. a great yeah. show. Oh, yeah. It's like white. It's like washed out. From the right. Light. It's yeah. like blinding almost. Mm -hmm. um, almost like shoving it in his face how sunny it is. Like, yeah. look how... Yeah. It's so... This is like the most beautiful we've seen the sky in this whole movie and you're telling them to stay stay down here. So, mm -hmm. I thought that, that... That was... I had mentioned before when I did best scene that there was another scene I thought was up there and that's the scene. I, I think that scene's terrific. Yeah, that scene is fantastic. That Yeah, that whole scene where you can just feel his desperation for the, the need for it to be real and and just having that little nugget where he thinks it's real for just a second or, you know, for, for however long they're down there. Yeah. And now having the dread again, like the storm is coming again, like, oh no. Oh no! No one feels it. <laughs> oh, no one no. feels it. Uh, I I also wanted to mention. I thought they. Uh, I thought the the director did a really nice job of establishing their money issues without necessarily. I mean, I think we saw. Uh, well, you and I saw Hell or High Water together. Yeah, we did. And that got a little heavy handed at times when it was talking about its themes. Yeah. This I thought did it in a much more subtle way. Like for instance, when he's calling the doctor at, at his house while he's pumping gas, saying, like, you know, Columbus is a little too far. You're just seeing $60 in gas for this big pickup yeah. truck, and that's what he's going to have to spend to go to Columbus. Or um, Show, don't tell. You know, exactly, like, show, yeah, don't tell. There were so many nice, nice uh, examples of that. In, in um... The only time we get it explicitly is with Curtis's brother, who's like, just watch yourself in this economy, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's the only mm -hmm. time it's ever explicitly mentioned. Right. Right. Uh, as like, oh, yeah. it's the downturn. And yeah. I think that was used to establish what their relationship was more so than it was about the the economics of the situation. I think it yeah. was more like, because I think Kyle probably did raise Curtis more than his father did, because it's kind of it's kind of hinted at that you know dad wasn't around much when mom lost her mind. Yeah. So I think that that was that was a way to establish what their their relationship was. And, yeah, I, I just thought it was really nice, like, subtle work in something that was so thematic, you know, like, you know, they, they, they brought in health insurance, they brought in... Yeah, you know, for sure. And, That's when she blows out, she smacks him in the face when she finds out the yeah. loses the job and mm -hmm. only has two weeks left on the insurance. Yeah. But, yeah, they do it in they do it in a way that's not super preachy. Yeah. Which is nice. Agreed. All right, guys, well, uh, I got the points tallied. Brad Davis, third place. Oh, no! 15.9 points. 
to my 17.35, and it should be no surprise that Clark Cole has run away with it, 18.85 points. Wow. Uh, All right. Well, thanks, guys. Hey, a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. a great prequel, a hell of an impression, uh, a solid thematic summary game, and that'll that'll get you there. That'll get you the W. <laughs> Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take the W. I'll take that to the bank. <laughs> Here's the end of Wild Card yeah, Weekend. Yeah, Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. You know? I'm, who's it going to be that's going to take home a victory today? That's right. <laughs> Us, Wyler. This is why we watch. <laughs> Battle of the Century. <laughs> Clark, thank you as always for doing the show. My pleasure. My pleasure, uh, fellas. A delight to revisit this film. I, I really, really love it and uh, can't recommend it enough to people. Um, so yeah, thanks yeah. for coming on and showing it the light of day here. Hey, anytime, anytime. Thanks, guys. Anything to plug? I got nothing. Nothing I got this time nothing around. Nothing going around. Not this uh, time around. All Hopefully right. next time. Hopefully. Next time. Fingers crossed. Yes, indeed. Brad Davis, thank you as always, sir. A pleasure, sir. Uh, at BDAlwaysGP on Twitter and on Instagram. There it is. And look for our sitcom, Three Men and a Baby, coming this fall yeah. at NBC. That's Three Men and a Child. <laughs> S- sitcoms uh, based off of old movies, right? Right, yeah. yeah. Movies. yeah. We're adopting a kid. There it is. But we're not ever going to show the child, though. No, 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 no. no. It's too much money. And yeah. It's tough to get kids and to it's ask. Just be all, yeah, it's just all POV. Don't work with children Don't, or animals. No, no. Yeah. It'll just be off screen all the time. Yeah, It'll be more about... Or the camera can be the child. Yeah. You know? I mean, how hilarious is three friends adopt a baby? Uh, and we're probably going to have to lie to the adoption agency. Oh, man, oh, yeah. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> It already is. <laughs> we can do some of that great gay humor if we want, so we have to pretend we're gay. Oh, oh yeah, like really uh, pronouncing oh, yeah, yeah. Chuck and Larry. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Carry Classic that over dog. from the original? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I'm at Cross Maxwell on all your social media bulls, at High End Films, the show. Uh, last week, we did Postcards from the Edge for Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Check that out. And uh, currently, on HighOnFilm.com is my top ten list of the year, of 2016. So I finally got around seeing everything I wanted to, to comfortably and clean with a clean conscious make a uh, top 10 list so check that out let me know what you think uh, in your own picks or lists should you have them compiled and voila that's it très bien très bien happy <laughs> mccannuary everybody uh we'll get to celebrating soon i promise i promise <laughs> we love you <ya. laughs> goodbye <laughs>